everyone, this is Kevin. I just want to welcome you to our series on the life of Moses, God Uses the Imperfect. And we're looking at the book of Exodus at some highlights in Moses' life. And my hope is that you, you'll see yourself in his story and you'll actually understand that God can use you no matter where you are, no matter what you've done. And it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. It only matters where you're going. And hopefully you'll be able to look at Moses' life and allow God to use you in the same way. Now on to today's message. So now we're going to jump in. And uh, earlier, Pastor Brian, he asked that question, what's your favorite, like, what's your hobby? What do you enjoy? And hopefully you told someone or you held it to yourself. And if you think to yourself, I don't have a hobby. Well, that's your hobby. And you need to get a new hobby and you need to get a life. I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, for me personally, I love going camping. Now, when I say camping, let me go and clear some things up. I don't mean an RV. I mean an tent. Primitive. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, man, I see that hand. And no electricity, no cell service, no internet, no Facebook, no Instagram stories. The only running water is the creek running by the campsite, and it's glorious. I go there about once or twice a year for a week, and I hear nothing from no one. It's like I come out of a black hole to thousands of emails and text messages. It's glorious. But me and my dad, typically me, my brothers, my dad, and some of his friends that we go camping, and we, me and my dad, typically get there about a day, day and a half before everyone else because it's a first-come, first-served campsite, and we don't want to lose it because it's the best one ever that God invented is right there in Morganton, North Carolina. So we set it up. Tarps are set up. We pull firewood out. We're ready to have fun. Problem is, we still got like a day and a half before people get there. So we do what we're good at. We set up our pranks. And we prank the people that are going to come camping with us. So last fall, me and my dad, we found these two broken bike reflectors, the red ones. That, you know, you put on your bike so you don't get hit by a car, all that good stuff. And we had this idea. We took some paracord, which is some thin, versatile rope. We tied them to the bike reflectors, tied that to a tree. And then, because we had no time and all day, we roped all of it all the way around the woods, secretively, to one location near the campsite. So... We tested it, we pulled the, pulled the uh, string and the reflectors would swing out. And the hope is that they would look like eyes. And I say the hope because we did this in daylight and we don't know what they're going to look like at night. So we waited and waited and waited. And that night after supper, we said it's time. And we pull the string. And it's just me and him. Again, this is the prototype. If it works, we're going to use it. If it doesn't, no one will ever know. We pull it and we shine our flashlights. And it's horrifying. It's terrifying. And we're sitting there and we're just, whew. and we knew what it was. We knew it was just bike reflectors, but we just, uh, heebie jeebies. And we even, we actually, we decided we didn't even do it because had we done it, no one would have ever come camping with us again. Um, an individual, uh, I found out actually, they make these, I, I may get one just because, well, I like scaring people. It's a, it's a can that sounds like a bear that when you pull the string, it sounds like a, so. There's hope for this spring to terrify the people that uh, I call friends that they don't like me anymore. So, but the truth is, in that moment, we worked with what we had. We wanted to prank and scare people, and all we had was some string and bike reflectors. And the truth is, is all of us, at one point in time, we find ourselves in what I would call a MacGyver situation. Okay, now maybe for you, maybe you had to make an improv 
diaper for your child because they had blown through all the ones you brought and maybe it was an old t-shirt or maybe this is my favorite because this is me you get this piece of furniture that you have to assemble and maybe it's Ikea maybe it's Walmart it doesn't matter because you're always going to end up with this one bag of screws and bolts that you're supposed to use but you know what it's standing I don't know what this goes to I'm just going to leave it there And then some of you, I know some of you are uh, what I would call the handyman type. I am not. I am handless. And you have that leaky faucet that you fixed. And it doesn't leak anymore, but you didn't really fix it. But it's working for now. But you work with what you had. I'm not going to pay a guy to come out here for 500 bucks and think, I can do this. Then afterwards, you end up paying somebody to come out and do this. So, but all of us, we find our place, so, you know, ourselves in that spot where we have to kind of figure it out. We have to work with what we have on hand, make it happen, get through it, and move on. And today, we're going to talk about just like just that with the life of Moses. So, if you got your copy of God's Word, turn with me to Exodus chapter four, verse one. Exodus chapter four, verse one, uh, and we'll also have the verses on the screen uh, for your enjoyment as well. Uh, so, as we as you turn there, I kind of give you some quick context, background of what in the world we're going to be stepping into when we start reading there in verse 1. And we're in the, again, we're doing a series on Moses. And if you've read the book, if you've watched the movies with wonderful Charleston Heston, uh, if if you don't know what that is, you can YouTube it uh, for all you younger kids out there. So as we look at this, where we are, we find Moses after he was raised in uh, Pharaoh's kingdom and him wanting to kind of be a good guy for his Hebrew cousins, he kind of stepped in one day when there was a big argument. He killed an Egyptian and he became a wanted fugitive. So he left. He jetted. He was gone. So this is kind of 40 years after that incident. He's been living in the Midian desert watching sheep for his father-in-law, which to me sounds depressing. I love my father-in-law, but I don't know. I would fully enjoy working for him. Um, And my wife is going to not look at me when I say that. So we find him, and in that moment, while he, again, God pursues him in this, in his fleeing in this moment, and he have what's called, what people call the burning bush experience. Now what this is, is Moses, there he is, he sees a bush on fire, but it's not burning. Now, if you want to get an idea of how you, how you think Moses feels, imagine driving home today, and your shrub that's there in your yard is on fire. And at first you want to get the water hose, but then you realize it's not burning up, and then you realize Someone is speaking to you through the bush. Me, I'd kind of freak out. I'm not going to lie to you. So this is kind of where we come to. It's kind of picking up where we left off uh, last week. Because again, we find Moses and his insecurity and his second-guessingness. So let's look here again. Chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Now see, I can relate there. Because... I'd have a hard time believing Moses too. Hey, I was up on this mountain and this bush was on fire and God was talking to me through this bush. I would be calling 911 for this individual and be checking them in for psychiatric help. So I get it. He's like, God, they ain't going to believe me. This is too crazy. Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. I need you to pause for a moment and realize that is the appropriate response if a stick turns into a snake. That is natural. That is purely natural. I'm going to follow Moses and his example here. I hate snakes. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. Mm. 
Again, I'm going to trust God because he's talking me through a burning bush that's not burning. So I say, okay, normally, I don't, the only thing I touch a snake with is a stone, a rock, a, a, a giant a car. It says Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. So here we have Moses still giving excuses of why it can't be done, why he's not the right person to be sent. And it's funny, as you see, God doesn't coddle Moses. He doesn't pull him to the side and, you know, come sit by the bush, Moses. It's okay, man. You know what? You're a good guy. You've got it within you. You can do it. God's a little like, hey, man, just throw the stick on the ground. There's a snake. You got this. Let's just, let's keep moving. I'm, I'm, I am God talking through a bush. He asked him, what's in your hand? He literally turned an ordinary shepherd's staff into a snake. And to something extraordinary. Something that would be used to disarm the most powerful nation of their time. To shake it. To literally mess it up. Which today leads us to what we call our big idea. And this is, we have this, and this kind of boils everything down to this one little nutshell. And you can write this in your talk notes and your connection card on the back side. It says, God uses the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. God uses the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. It's, it's, it's as if I'm about to take on the biggest nation. And let's say they put me in a room full of all the most awesome, incredible weapons ever invented. And let me tell you, I'm going to get a bazooka. I'm going to get a giant machine. I'm going to get Rambo's gun. I'm going to find Rambo. And, I'm gonna, and here, if there's a stick, I'm moving this stick out of the way because a stick ain't going to do diddly squat. The stick maybe is propping something. I'm moving the stick. I'm getting something else. But here God is choosing the stick. Choosing something ordinary. Something common. Because you see, God can do more with an ordinary stick submitted to him then he can anything we have or the biggest, baddest thing we own that we keep for ourselves. It's about surrender. See, for me, it, it's, it, it, we look at our limitations. We look at our struggles. We look at our weaknesses, even our strengths, and we pretty, pretty much put ourselves in a box of saying what God can or cannot do in or through us because of something that happened. Or because of the fact, I don't have enough of blank. I don't have the time. And if we miss this today, if we don't grab this, if we don't apply this, we're going to miss out on being a part of what God has called us to do. Of His purpose being fulfilled in and through us. Of Him transforming us. Us experience a true, just a relationship with Him, with our Creator. Because honestly, we all want to count for something. We all want to, at the end of the day, at the end of our life, when people mention our names after we pass, we want them to say it with reverence. We want them to say it with respect. When they say Keith, Rao, it's like their shoulders lift high, their chin is up. That's what we want. But the problem is, is half of us, it's hard to even just get out of bed in the morning. We hit snooze 17 times. When I say we, I technically mean me. I'm the, man, we are the king of snooze. But for me, this is a big deal. This concept of ordinary to extraordinary. I grew up in a, in a rural uh, town uh, in North Carolina. And when I say rural, I mean we had a Walmart. 
the nearest Chick-fil-A was an hour away. And it was very bleak. If you want to know, what'd you guys do on the weekends? We rode around in a circle in town. That was it. If it was warm, the windows were down and the music was up. But for me, I, I kind of, I just, I really wasn't much. I was this, when I began to follow Jesus, I was uh, in high school. And I really, I, I did good in school, but I was pretty much this was punk kid. We'd, me and friends, we'd go around and bash mailboxes. We'd smoke pot. Just, we were stupid. We were idiots. And I decided to follow Jesus. And in that decision, all I wanted to do was be willing. I had no aspirations to do what I'm doing today. I had no idea what would happen years from now. I just knew in that moment, in that time, in that season, I wanted to be used by God. I wanted to obey God. And there were people around me kind of in that same boat. But I'm not going to lie to you, they looked better than me. They spoke better than me, and they looked like they had more potential than me. So people would see Keith like, oh, Keith's cool, but these guys, man, they're going to be the people that are going to go up. I didn't care. I I finally came to a place, and I say I don't care. I did care, but then I didn't care. So I'll be real. I'm not going to lie and say, oh, I was just all about King Jesus. No, I was selfish and a jerk. Um... But I came, finally came to this place where I realized that even if everyone else looks over me, God won't. Because, because God cares for me. God cares for you. He's not going to overlook you. He's not going to overpower you. He's, he's, it's, it's, so just because someone has a different gifting or a different ability that's around you doesn't mean they're less or more than you. So, uh, so please be encouraged that God loves you just the way you are because he, he, he kind of created you. He knows you. He, he knows, uh, I love the scripture, he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. And I love that scripture because that means like Pastor Kevin, he knew how many hairs were on his head. But even going further, the, bot, the human body loses a certain amount of hair a day. Hair just falls out naturally. You run your fingers through your hair, hair is going to fall out. God has a constant count of how many hairs are on our head. That's how much he knows us. That's how much he loves us. So for me... I just want to be willing. I want to be consistent. And the cool thing is, is when we do this, when we exercise our faith in this, when we allow God to turn the ordinary into extraordinary, it means that we are, again, submitting to Him. We're following Him. And today we're going to look at three ways, three areas we need to focus on if we're going to allow God to turn the ordinary into extraordinary. The first area that, we're going to fo- that we have to focus on, we have to focus on what you have, not what you think you need. We have to focus on what we have, not what we think we need. And I love the account uh, in John. You have the Apostle John. He was one of the closest disciples of Jesus. And he records this account. There's after Passover. And they're doing ministry. There's a bunch of people. There's thousands of people. And it's getting dark. And then we kind of come into this conversation. John chapter 6, verse 5 through 9. It says, Jesus saw, soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough food to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Well, there's this young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with a crowd this large? And if you are familiar or you've heard about this account, what ends up happening is Jesus miraculously feeds thousands of people with this little kid's lunch. You see, in this moment, Jesus is pressing them, his disciples, to see not what they have or what they think they need, but what's already there with them. 
And again, a lot of times we look at our own resources and we use it as a limitation. Our time, our money, our treasures, whatever you want to call them. And we say, well, we can't do this for God because I don't have the time and I am busy. I am busy binging on Netflix. You don't understand. I got to get through them seasons. You know, I, I would serve God, but I just don't have the money. I don't have the time or the money. I mean, I've got to... When we make these excuses, when we talk about what we think we need instead of what we have, we're limiting what God can do. Because the beauty is God can provide. God can provide the money. God can provide you wisdom to know how to manage your time so you can get stuff done. Because that's typically the issue. You have the time. You do what you love. And if you love doing something, if you love serving the Lord, you'll find the time and you'll make it. So you have to pause. You have to ask yourself, just as God did to Moses, what's in your hand? What do we have, Philip? One of my favorite shows on TV, when I say this, if you've never heard this show, it might sound weird. Please don't go for the door yet. Let me explain myself. On the Discovery Channel, there's a show called Naked and Afraid. And no, that does not describe the birth of a child. What that is, is you have these two contestants that are dropped into the middle of this desert or the jungle or anyways, and well, hence the first part, they're naked. And they're giving one thing. They choose. They pick their tool and a bag. That's it. And they have to survive for 21 days. And the cool part, what I enjoy, I like watching what tool do they decide to bring. Some of them are smart. Some of them are stupid. This one guy brought goggles. Because mm-hmm. he was going to swim and find fish. But he didn't swim. But... This other individual, he brought a homemade hatchet that he had just made for himself. Like he had built this thing, and it was beautiful, and it had multi, it was like a multi-tool built into one. So he kind of got through a loophole to only have one thing. So he again kind of made it himself. But it's amazing to see how these individuals can survive for 21 days with a pot and a machete. That's it. Or again, whatever item they bring. But the truth is, is that's us. We have what we have. No matter where we're at in life, no matter the situation, no matter the season that we're in, sometimes we're going to have more, sometimes we're going to have less, sometimes we're going to might feel like them be naked and afraid and have nothing to go with. But the truth is, is God's not removed from the situation. God's still moving. God's still aware. And we have to look at what we have, not what we think we need. Because the truth is, is we probably don't need it. Because if we needed it, God would provide for it. I, I truly believe when looking through Scripture that God blesses and provides according to His purpose, not our selfishness. Because of course, again, and there are individuals, and it's, it's not biblical, that people preach that if you serve God, if you love God, then you're supposed to have stuff. That God's going to bless you with stuff. That your bank account is going to be loaded. And I'm going to tell you, it's not biblical, but I wish it were. Life would be a lot easier if my bank account were loaded just because I serve Jesus. But it's not. God will bless you according to what he's called you. He will provide. He will move. He will intervene. So we've got to focus first on what we have, not what we think we need. The second thing we have to work and focus on is what we can do, not what we cannot do. We've got to focus on what we can do, not what we cannot do. And when you kind of go through this account with Moses, it seemed like Moses couldn't do a whole lot. He had a speech problem. He was insecure. He didn't think he could handle it. 
what if they don't believe me? And he, again, the, he's like the king of excuses. And to be honest with you, it's, it sounds like me. Because I'm like the king of making excuses. I, 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 I will excuse the way anything that I don't personally want to do. Again, typically because I'm selfish. But if we want God to turn the ordinary into extraordinary, we have to focus on what we can do now, not what we feel we can't do. We can't put that limitation on ourselves and on what God wants to do. We had an individual that used to attend uh, here at Thrive, and uh, his name was Mr. Huey Blackburn. He sadly, he passed away last year. And he was here when Thrive first started. He went to Pastor Kevin, the, the guy that introduced me earlier, our lead pastor, and he told him, he said, Pastor Kevin, I can't do a lot. But what I can do, I can pray, I can give, and I can write these postcards to send to guests. He knew exactly what he could do. And Mr. Huey did it. And, and, and I, I hope when I grow up, I can be like Mr. Huey Blackburn, who loved Jesus more than anything, who wanted to see God's purposes fulfilled more than anything. And there's a lot of things that are not in our control. Things that we can't help. Seasons that we're in, where we feel like we're literally grasping at straws. But to encourage you, the beauty is, is God's aware. And God's moving. And even and, and the thing is, there are times where he's moving and we have no idea it's happening. And it's not until after the fact, a month, two years, seven years down the road, we're like, man, you know what? God actually was intervening. I didn't even see it. I didn't even realize it. And what we have to do, we have to take the things that we can control and work on them. And the stuff we can't control, we just have to give it to God. We have to trust that God is going to guide us through it. That God is going to lead us through it. He's going to give us wisdom in the moment. That he's going to guide us and direct us. Because if we don't, we miss out. We miss out on God moving, God stepping in. Because Moses couldn't control the outcome. All he could control was his obedience. He's standing there on this mountain, talking to a burning bush hearing about how he's about to go walk up to the Pharaoh, the leader of the biggest nation at the time, and say, hey man, sup? let my people go. Throw a stick down, it hisses, and it's just boom, done. That sounds insane. But this is what leads us to the final thing we have to focus on. We have to focus on what we're willing to do, not what we have done. Because Moses was willing, as crazy as it sounded, to go, to be obedient. He didn't stand there and give a resume of what his past life had been. Well, you know, God, I can't because I killed that guy. Oh, well, see you later. But you know what? Maybe you're someone else because I'm doing this really great job tending these sheep for my father-in-law. And it's really success. The business is booming. So a lot of times, again, we continue to make those excuses. You look at also the life of David in Scripture. And David, if you're familiar with the story, the infamous David versus Goliath. He was this kid, 12, 13 years old. And he was going to the battlefield to take his brother some lunch because they were hungry. And he gets there and there's this really tall Philistine out there just talking smack about the Israelites. I mean, he is talking about their mama, about their dad. I mean, they're just, he's just talking smack. And David, he's like, man, forget this. And then with, again, with God's help, he killed Goliath. He was willing. 
But see, that's, not, that's what people love to talk about with David. But David also was a murderer and an adulterer. You look at the life of Paul in the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Planted churches all over Asia Minor. But before he followed Jesus, he killed Christians. He persecuted them. He tortured them. You see, so often we want to let our past disqualify us for the present or the future. Now, let me pause and inform. There are consequences to choices that we make. Moses had to flee. Things happen. Consequences come. But, but, and this is, again, this is where I want to kind of capitalize on. But it doesn't disqualify you from being loved by God. It doesn't disqualify you from being used by God. Because God cares for you. He is pursuing you. He pursued you to the point of sending his son Jesus Christ to the cross to die for you. God doesn't want our resume. He wants our availability. He wants our willingness. He wants us to be consistent. I mean consistent in the big stuff, consistent in the small stuff. People all the time, man, they're like, I want to sing on stage. I want to talk on the platform. But I can't love my spouse the way Christ loved the church. But I want to do something great and grand. But I can't be consistent in the small. I want to do this great big ministry. But I can't serve one Sunday a month because I ain't got the time. What is our willingness? What is our availability? Because we all have this, this Hail Mary or home run type mentality in that. But God wants us to be willing. He wants us to be available. He specializes in turning the ordinary into extraordinary. And it happens on a daily basis. I don't believe it's a one-time choice. I don't believe you just... Today, you're like, you know what? I'm good with that. I'm going to start doing that. It's a daily commitment over a long span of time. So it was on that mountain. The God asked Moses, what's in your hand? Shepherd's staff. And see, in that moment, God told him to throw it on the ground. Moses didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know it was going to turn to a snake. To be honest with you, I don't know if I'd throw it on the ground if I knew it was going to turn to a snake. I'll just touch the ground. I'm like, eh, here. But see, in that moment, he had to surrender his ordinary for extraordinary to happen. He had to be willing to lay down the stick, the staff, and trust that God was about to do something. And for us today, we have to do the same. We have to take ourselves and be selfless and lay what we can do down. Don't focus on what you think you need. Don't focus on what you cannot do. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you have right now. What's in your hand? What do you have that you can use to glorify God, to minister to people, to spread the gospel? Maybe it's a certain gift. Maybe you are gifted in organizing. Maybe you're gifted in teaching kids. Maybe you're gifted in actually greeting and being friendly to people as they come into the doors. Maybe you're gifted in building relationships in your community with neighbors and just sharing life together. What are you gifted to do? What is your ordinary that you can give to God to turn to the extraordinary? 
What's your willingness? What are you being consistent in? There's these two words that we all say. And they can have two different meanings depending on how we say them. Two simple words. It's the words but and God. You see, we can spend a lot of time, and I personally do, where maybe God will ask me, because I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't like talking to strangers. And if I'm out like Starbucks or Walmart or whatever, and, and I feel God impressed me to go talk to someone, it terrifies me. And in that moment, I can say, but God, in one of two ways. I can say, but God, I don't like talking to people. But God, I got places to go, but I ain't got no time to do this. We can make excuses. Or we can give permission. Well, God, I don't have the money to go on an overseas mission trip in Nicaragua. But you are my provider. This is the worst season of my life. But God, you are faithful. And you care for me and you love me. God, I don't have the time to do what I feel like I need to. But you can give me wisdom and how to use it. You see, you get to say, but God. But you have to determine which way, which angle you use it. Is it on the fact and bent towards obedience? Or is it bent towards excuse and to be quite honest, selfishness? And I'm guilty of both. And when I say that, I don't mean like on the big stuff. I mean... I didn't read my Bible this morning except for the sermon that I've read today. I don't pray as much as I should. Maybe I spend too much time personally watching too much Hulu and Netflix. And I can invest that time in other ways. Hey, I'm being real. But God is able. Pray with me if you would. God, this morning we're so thankful. That despite our past, despite our flaws, God, you are faithful. God, you are perfect. And God, and you love us just as we are right now, this very moment. And your love does not increase based on what we do or what we don't do. You care for us right now. God, I pray that we all take assessment and we realize what we have in our hand. What can we do? What are we available to do? God, what are we willing to do as we obey you to give you glory? To accomplish your purpose. Father, guide us by your Holy Spirit. Direct us. Help us. Guide our steps so that we can live a life that glorifies you. A life that is obedience to you. So that God, that your will, what you desire, becomes our reality. And as we continue to pray this morning. Some of you may have walked in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you and let you know that in Scripture, that thankfully, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by our faith in Him, in Jesus Christ. It says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that for salvation to be saved, all we have to do is believe that Jesus, when He came to this earth, He died and was resurrected. He came back to life, conquering death, hell, and the grave, defeating sin, the power that it has. That we can be forgiven. That we can be in relationship with Him. So it's to believe and to confess that. And today, if, if that's you, if you find yourself that you want to commit your life to Jesus, you want to choose to follow Him, or maybe today you want to choose to just recommit your life to Jesus. 
what I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three and I'm not going to call you out or make you come to the front. It's just a moment that I can pray with you and pray for you. I'm on the count of three. If you want to decide to follow Jesus for the first time or the second or 17th time, I just want you to raise your hand. So one, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand this morning. Amen. 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 If you would just pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I'm not perfect. But I believe that by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm forgiven of my sins and I'm made new. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. Continue to guide me. Continue to direct me in all that I do. In your holy name I pray. Amen.